Hi, and welcome to What a Mess, the only podcast that speaks about fashion industry issues. Hi guys, this is Dami, your host, and today's guest is Alina Bassi from Clyderly Berlin. Hi Alina, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Can you tell me a little bit more about Clyderly? Absolutely. So Clyderly has developed a technology that recycles textile waste into a plastic alternative, meaning that your old t-shirts that you no longer wear, that you may be donated to a charity and they no longer can donate further, can be used to produce things such as your latest glasses, your sunglasses, your blue light blocking glasses, your furniture, um, your clothing hangers, or even security tags. So uh, we can produce a lot of different products from your old t-shirts. Amazing. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Because you're actually a chemical engineer, right? So I wonder yeah. how that influenced your career and how, you know, the both worlds of sustainable fashion and chemical engineering kind of came together in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I decided to study chemical engineering really because of the passion for sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the reason for that decision. And really, I had initially envisaged my career being focused on solar power or wind power or renewable energy of some sort. Um, but actually, my career ended up uh, evolving into um, under recycling waste. So I have uh, seven years experience in engineering, which involves recycling household waste and recycling coffee waste. So having seen waste in, in very many different forms, being to lots of different sites, seeing where all our waste goes, um, the passion with the fashion industry kind of came together because I decided that my focus um, or my next life focus should be textile waste. And I really love fashion. So I thought this actually is a great way, if I can do both of these things at once, combine my passion for the industry with solving this problem that is huge for, yeah. for climate change, then mm -hmm. that's probably the ideal career that I could create if I can do this. So that's why um, that came about. Yeah, amazing. And I know you have pivoted recently, right? Sorry? You have pivoted recently, yes. right? Yes, yes, we have. We have. Yeah. So. So Sorry, how has this coronavirus situation impacted you and what did you guys change in the company? Yeah, so to be honest, it's, uh, I think starting a company is always difficult. Yes, <laughs> um, really totally. difficult. Starting a company during, uh, you know, where the kind of peak of the company is happening during COVID or the beginning of it is very tough. Um, being able to speak to brands, I think, in person is so much easier. Being able to show them our material, you know, present it to them. All of these things that we would have done in a normal day-to-day -day life could not happen. So whilst we've had so many different exciting brands reach out to us to work with us, 
um, you know, sustainability was no longer their number one priority. Now their number one priority is how do we get out of the COVID situation alive? And I don't blame them. I mean, COVID has hit the fashion industry hugely and so many stores, especially in the UK where I'm from, have suddenly closed down. So yeah. I do get that this is no longer their focus, but it meant that now where me, we might've been so exciting for them, we still are, but we're now second or third priority. So mm -hmm. this kind of caused this pivot because whilst you're a startup and it's great to speak to all these brands, we just cannot wait for them to enact on working with us. And we have some really exciting collaborations coming up, but we need to get things moving now. So that's why we pivoted to, it's not a pivot, but more of a new, Mm -hmm. new part of Cladly, which will involve our own product range and our own product range that can also be sold B2B via retailers. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, you know. Um, anyway, um, so I wanted to ask you, what is Cladly's mission as a brand or as a platform? Um, so the main um, goal of Cladly has always been how can we reduce textile waste? So, mm -hmm. of course, we do that by converting clothing into new products. But also, it, we want to educate people on really what are they buying, how that is impacting the environment, and how they can make more sustainable fashion choices. So, we need to tackle textile waste from both ends. We can't just keep sending it to landfill and recycling it. We also need to tackle it from the beginning, which is when people are buying it, because the less that is bought, the less brands will make. So we try to educate people on how they can reduce their own textile waste and make their own fashion habits more sustainable. Mm -hmm. Great. And can you take us back a little bit, you know, uh, to the beginning of the beginnings um, and actually tell us how Clyderly was formed? When was that? Did you have any co-founders? Because, you know, you're a female founder, so we want to kind of get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So Cladly, um, as I mentioned, the background being in waste and recycling of waste, I had re um, moved to Berlin um, in the same year. And being a chemical engineer, Berlin is not really the right place to be for my kind of career. So, you know, my mm -hmm. career involves working on a factory floor or designing the factory. And Berlin is more of a startup scene, but I'd worked in startups in London. Mm -hmm. So, I was in this kind of transition phase of my life where the bulk of my engineering career had kind of passed and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew it was something related to startups. And at the same time, I was visiting my family in Tanzania because my parents are born and raised there. So mm -hmm. I was in this transition phase, really open to new ideas, having just moved countries and then going on holiday uh, to visit my family it was the first time I saw textile waste. So for me, that was more of the aha moment of, oh, this is a huge environmental problem. People in Tanzania are being bombarded with all of the waste from the West and they're really, really sick of it. And I'm an mm -hmm. engineer and I actually have a skill to be able to think of how I could reuse this as a new source resource. Mm -hmm. So why not try something out? And it was really tough because I come from an engineering background. I don't have okay, I've, I have had exposure working in startups, but not a, even as a founder, of course, I was in the engineering side of it. So 
that was a difficult decision to make. And I think actually what really helped is my co-founder. So Dave is the co-founder and he has a marketing background and a business background. And we really needed to combine these two sides together because yeah. I have the problem solving ability from a very technical perspective, but how do you then commercialize that into something that people want to buy? That was a difficult transition for me to make, but I've learned so much from this journey. Yeah, amazing. And um, I think you guys are focusing right now on selling sunglasses. Is it correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it won't be just sunglasses. We have also other types of glasses as well. So mm-hmm. um, this is really just the beginning, to be honest. We have so many ideas for different products, um, mm-hmm. but we decided to first focus really on products that are related to fashion that are very tangible for you as an end consumer to understand that my old T-shirt is not something I can wear on my face. Um, but we're producing a lot of different types of products uh, with other organizations, but also for ourselves in the in the coming months. Can you kind of walk me through the process of creating such a product? For now, it's um, those are sunglasses, but you know, in the future, it might be something else. So I'm really curious about the process itself. Absolutely. So what we do is we can collect textiles from different parts of the value chain. So we started off with working with local charities that have waste that has been donated to them that they cannot reuse. So um, we collect the waste from the factories, but now we can also take, for example, off cuts in the production of clothing um, where 15% of textiles is wasted, but we can even take, you know, pre-consumer stuff where maybe brands cannot reuse textiles. We can take polyester, cotton, viscose, and elastane fabrics and blends of those fabrics. And that's really key because it's very hard to recycle fabric blends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the reason why we have a lot of brands wanting to approach us and work with us because polyester, cotton, viscose, and elastane makes up about 80% of most of the fabrics that are used specifically in fast fashion. So we take these um, fabrics from them. We usually have to sort it. We need to make sure there's no metal goods. There's no other bits that we cannot process. So usually we have to remove those um, or we receive them removed. We then go for a series of multiple stages where we break down the textiles into very small pieces. And then uh, it goes, there's multiple stages to get there. And eventually we bind it with natural additives to give it a really hard Um, strong finish and to give it the strong material properties that it has. Um, the, the, what, what you get in this is what's called a pellet. It's like a, like a plastic pellet. It behaves in a similar way, but not exactly the same. So the ma- material properties are different. It's more brittle than plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lower melting point than traditional plastics, but it can be used in the same plastic machinery. It just needs you need the know-how as to how to operate this material as opposed to say the polystyrene you were going to use or the acetate mm-hmm. you were going to use. So what we do is having collected this or produced this granulate, we send it to our partners and we produce different products from this and it can be molded into shapes. So you can mold it into eyewear, like we said, but you can also mold it into sheets. So you could even produce things like tabletops or, mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know, packaging or, or baskets or lots of different things. Uh, but for now, we've, um, we've focused on a few specific products. Mm. And how do you source materials? Um, so our, to be honest, my ultimate or my mm. ideal scenario is to keep working with the charities that we do. Mm-hmm. I like that because at that point, that textile has gone through 
you know, having been processed, being bought, someone's worn it, they don't want it anymore, they've maybe given it to someone else in their family, and then it ended up at a charity, and the charity has said, this is not good enough to donate, so we don't know what to do with it, Cloudly, can you take it? But we do get a lot of people actually asking us, brands in particular, that they have textiles that maybe they've not sold that season, uh, textiles that they've mm-hmm. maybe defected from the factory that they just cannot sell. And we get a lot of that. But to be honest, I would like to, in an ideal world, there would just not be overproduction. Therefore, there wouldn't be that source of textiles. Ideally, we just collect right at the end. But for now, um, of course, fashion industry doesn't work that way. So we we collect from both. Mm. And I wonder, like, personally, do you have any fashion brands, any sustainable brands or brands that, you know, use um, upcycled materials that you follow and you really like and like to share? Yeah, so I don't like to be too, uh, maybe too favorable to specific brands because I feel like then I'm, you know, maybe condoning every brand and I don't know all the truth about every brand, of course. Yeah. Um, I really like um, Armed Angels. Um, I think they're doing great work and we've had experience with them too. And I know that they really thoroughly vet who they work with and that's very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would definitely recommend Armed Angels. Um, and I also really like um, platforms like Good On You, where you can actually look at a brand and see what they're doing for the environment and they rate them according to what they're doing and whether it helps you as an end consumer to make better decisions. Um, my personal philosophy besides buying from sustainable brands is just, just to buy less. I mean, yeah. I just think we don't really need to buy as much yeah. as we do. So, People probably find it weird that I'm always pretty much wearing the same stuff all the time. But, you know, you figured out your look, uh, what makes you feel comfortable. Um, you don't need to go and buy every single latest trend that's out. You don't need to, you know, this new kind of top is in or this kind of blazer is in. You don't have to. So um, my philosophy is first try not to even buy if you don't have to but of mm-hmm. course if I have to then then really analyze the brand before I do yeah you know today I laughed at myself so bad because I bought new sneakers and they're from um, apparently recycled materials right and I was laughing at myself because I realized I buy a pair of sneakers literally every two years And some people just really laugh at me and judge me so badly. But honestly, I don't need more. Um, And I just keep wearing the same stuff because I like it. And I honestly don't see a reason in buying more, you know, just like many other women out there maybe buy so many pair of shoes or heels. But I honestly don't do that. So um, I think we're in the same group. Yeah, I think it's just about getting to a point where... To be honest, maybe I, I, to be honest, I was definitely really awful when I was younger. Growing Mm -hmm. up, I think I used um, retail therapy as a way to maybe feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. And so I, if I was not feeling good for whatever reason it is, even if it's just because I'm bored as a young student or as a young, you know, recent graduate, I would think, okay, I'm going to go and treat myself to this or the other. And I think as you grow older, you realize actually that didn't make me feel good. Maybe it made me feel good in that specific moment, but 
it didn't make me feel good after and maybe I should actually just use that money to create new experiences maybe go like do something new together with your friends and family or go and eat a meal together so um I think it takes a while to get to that place but there's sometimes I think there's a deeper reason for maybe why we're over purchasing and it's not related to anything other than maybe specific personal issues um and in that case it requires a lot more deeper work to really understand like what's what's making you feel that way that makes you think you need retail therapy yeah I always say that sustainability starts within you know inside because I think it's um it's a a very deep realization of what are my values and what I'd like to wear what I want to wear and how I want to contribute to the environment in a positive way but also live sustainably for myself and be happy and I think you know um, through even therapy we're able to kind of spot these little things of oh wow I'm really you know, buying too much fashion, you know, or, you know, I'm trying to make myself feel better, like you said, Um, I think a lot of women do that. And um, yeah, I think it takes some, you know, inner reflection and deep, deeper work, for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, and that's a whole other topic, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's very funny, because we always have those uh, conversations on Clubhouse, what is sustainability? What does sustainability mean to you? Uh, does it start with consumers? Does it start with government work? Does it start with leaders and big companies? You know, where is like this chicken egg kind of thing? We're trying always to figure this out. But I really believe that it all starts uh, particularly inside and everyone has a certain level of awareness And I think, uh, you know, things such as, you know, um, consumerism, obviously, we're we're just in a cycle of this, like, you know, hamster being on a wheel, and kind of going from one thing to another and buying new clothes and always buying and just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad, but I think it's, um, we should work with psychologists on that approach, because, It has so much to do with mentality and mindset, honestly. Um, and, and that's why I, I like to interview people like you, because it, it just, you know, brightens up my horizon and I can understand a little bit more of how you guys think, you know, and what yeah. is important to you. And I think ultimately that's the biggest value to the audience as well, because they're able to see things from another perspective. Yeah. yeah think so too I think you don't actually realize but even just as a one human being you can have a huge impact on the the wider people within your network um just by maybe questioning certain things maybe maybe it doesn't mean that they change overnight but slowly and shortly they may start to analyze their buying behaviors too so it's just about one or two people starting something and I think the network effect of that or the ripple effect of that can be huge yeah, totally. You mentioned waste as a really big issue within the industry. You know, this podcast is called What a Mess because we talk about all sorts of issues and the mess it, it created. So I wonder from your perspective, in your opinion, what are the biggest issues within the industry um, and how maybe you plan to contribute to solve them? Oh, man. It's, it's such a mess. I love that you named it that because mm-hmm. of 
um, the mess in the industry. And to be honest, initially, I just feel, or I felt and still feel, I think, frustrated at how it is and how bad it is. And I realized that the only way I can personally overcome that frustration is just try and do something myself. Um, At least then I know I'm kind of making some sort of change even if it's not even if it's not like the biggest change in the world the fact that I'm just contributing to something um, makes me feel better about the situation there's massive issues I think the two biggest issues I personally want to solve or want to contribute to is of Mm -hmm. course the textile waste problem because no one talks about it and it is essentially plastic waste not just textile waste right because we wear mostly plastic, polyester, viscose, et cetera. I think the other issue that really bothers me is fair wages. Women, not mostly women, not getting fair wages and garment workers not being treated fairly. This is such a big issue within the industry. And I, it's something that really bothers me that brands are okay to pay their garment workers barely anything. They can't even, you know, make ends meet, yet they're happy to pay, you know, influences thousands of euros or pounds to do one Instagram post on you know wearing that same t-shirt that bothers me so much and I I don't know how this will change unless you know we we speak up about it and we really try and make things fair for everyone along the supply chain so uh, you already know like how we contribute to the textile waste problem but one thing we really want to do and we're already working behind the scenes is to figure out which charities or which groups we can support on the ground we're probably going to start in India uh, because Mm -hmm. of my heritage and so I have connections there or Bangladesh because of um, other connections we have there too Mm -hmm. I'd like to focus on those two to begin with and see how we can support garment workers there. So that's the, that's now um, and maybe do more projects around that in the future because there's just so much we need to do, so yeah. much. And of course, actually, there's one third issue and that's education. So I think the more everyone works towards educating um, the general public around this, the, the more this w- word would get out there, the way the plastic straw suddenly overtook everyone and was what felt like overnight there was this change. If that change could one day happen in the fashion industry, that would be incredible. But all of us need to keep working and pushing to get there. So that's why it's so nice to like meet people like you because without all of us doing something about it, no change is going to happen. We need a collective movement towards this. Yeah, totally. And what do you think is the role of influencers and media in this vicious cycle? And um, maybe you do have a message if someone potentially will listen to it and is uh, either in one of these groups, you know, do you have a message to kind of convince them to kind of look at what they do and how they do it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think COVID for me was a really interesting time, you know, still there you know still there yeah yeah so to be honest I feel like we're at the the end of the tunnel I feel like there's light um me too uh, (laughs) but maybe I just think also optimistic um but during this time we've all been pretty much staying at home not going anywhere and most likely wearing joggers or whatever and being super comfortable and yet influencers who are out there um somehow still wearing a different outfit every single day still out there taking different images and different outfits every day and you think 
surely this is the point where hopefully people are realizing that's not real because mm, why yeah. do they need to dress up on in times where we're literally not going anywhere we're just sitting at home so if anyone is listening to this and they are following influencers I encourage you to ask them why are they wearing so many <laughs> outfits during COVID times where are they going and why are they supporting these brands that are not paying their workers fairly like mm. does that sit right with their conscience and maybe some say I don't know about the issues but it's easy to just say that yeah I mean if you're going to encourage people to buy from a brand then I think it's your job to do your homework about that brand to really check if they fit with your values because you're essentially condoning that they're not paying their workers fairly so if you are you saying you agree with this and if not then don't promote them uh, so I hope someone listens and, and hears this message and starts to ask influencers that they follow that question yeah totally and I also think it's a uh vicious cycle from that you know perspective of those influencers because they actually don't make income unless they promote these brands because other companies often don't pay them either right so it's it's also I see this from a media perspective of you know always having this issue to convince people to actually pay for your work I think that's something that's not very often talked about. It's not only garment workers, but actually tons of creatives that are not being paid, whether mm -hmm. they're photographers, uh, stylists, you know, working on sets, whatever, whoever that is, you know, I think that's also something that um, should change personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think without them, the fashion industry is nothing. If you don't have the creatives in the industry, it's a very boring one. So they definitely deserve to be supported properly yeah I think so too so when do you like um how do you think where are we going with this whole change is it something that you know you see as uh hopefully positive like a positive change or do you still think there's a lot to do and uh, maybe you can pinpoint a couple of things that, you know, an average listener out there could do to kind of support more circular or, you know, sustainable lifestyle. Yeah, sure. I think um, it's interesting. I don't think the change would have happened so quickly had COVID not happened. So maybe mm -hmm. it's the one good thing that has come out of COVID yeah. that um, a lot mm -hmm. of the traditional ways or methods of doing business are not going to continue the way they were so every brand is having to reassess a lot of things that are happening now um, and I think actually when something as disruptive as COVID happens in the world is when actually you stop to think of how things are being done I know a lot of people also during the time I don't know if you know it's the same thing but a lot of people in my circle were doing you know the whole Marie Kondo experiment and like clearing out everything in their home and I think that in itself no, is I, I haven't didn't you I knew so many people who are basically not this year but last year taking the time to clear out their closet clear out their home just I guess using the time in a better way so um, I mean I, I, I did that for a month and then I was bored so yeah <laughs> and I actually no, went to my family so they cleaned for me <laughs> <laughs> I know I, this this shouldn't be on this podcast but <laughs> 
I um, definitely took a lot of time to try and clear stuff out um, mm-hmm. and it's been really helpful. So, you know, I always think if there's a weekend and I you know, can't really go anywhere and it's awful weather so you can't really go for a walk, I've tried to use that time wisely to just go through my stuff and really clutter, declutter. Yeah. And I think this time has been great for both brands and consumers, brands to analyze what they're doing and how they could change and also mm-hmm. consumers. Because I think most normal consumers have realized, hold on a minute, I don't actually need that much stuff. Um, I saved so much money because I didn't buy X, Y, Z. So maybe these habits actually continue into post-COVID world. Having said that, I've also, um, you know, back in the UK where where my family are from, I always keep Mm -hmm. an eye on what's going on there. And I noticed that the minute the lockdown was lifted all of a sudden you've got all the stores full of people it's oh, like people yeah. um that that covid had existed and they'd all gone back to normal and so i had hopes that things would change and i think they will but maybe because it's been so long since people have gone out that mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's their first point of call to go there so um i would my tip would be try and try and remember what happened uh, I know that it's a difficult time to to remember COVID has been really hard but try and remember what you did during these times and what lessons that we all learned and try and use the good things that came out of it going forward so mm-hmm. if you didn't go shopping for a year nothing changed right so yeah. do you need to go as soon as they open <laughs> Interesting, because, you know, you kind of answered my next question, but I'm still going to ask that one. I basically wanted to ask, what do you think is going to happen when most of the countries will reopen, you know, post-pandemic world? Do you think that, you know, consumers will go back to crazy, crazy shopping or people will actually become more reflected and, you know, buy less, basically? What do you think will happen? Well, um, yeah, I guess having seen this, uh, what's happened in the UK, um, I think. Yeah, let, people- let's yeah. let's think, for example, you know, you're based in Berlin, Germany. Do you think German people would do the same? Because, you know, the mentality is a little bit different, I believe. It, is different. it definitely is different. I think um, uh, it's a really tough thing to say. I definitely hope that people will go ahead and not mm-hmm. purchase in the same way. But I can also see that they're kind of, I can imagine actually that what happens when stores open is there's this huge spike in people going shopping because they're mm-hmm. just not there and it's a new thing to do. Yeah. But then very quickly getting bored and it going back to leveling out. Mm-hmm. So I can see this spike initially because it's like, oh, I can actually go somewhere and do something. I haven't done this in so long. It feels new and exciting. And there's that, you know, the endorphin release because I'm going and I'm mm-hmm. buying something. But yeah. once that's over, then I think actually it should even out and people will remember that I actually don't need to. And what I am also hoping is that because of hopefully lockdown is lifted here during the summertime. So people probably want to go outside and be outside rather than going to a shopping center. So I think, yeah. um, I think there will be a spike, but it will probably level out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what do you think about this concept of actually educating people 
to buy less because actually when you look at the um you know the price the the, the price point uh when you start to work or like buy from a manufacturer it's usually like two three cents per unit and then you have the selling point which is like up to 80 bucks right which is completely crazy and out of line do you think if people would understand and you know get education as a consumer that they're actually wasting their money a uh, big time. Do you think that would change their behavior? Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'd love to give an example here that I learned about, which is very interesting to me. It's the mm-hmm. um, it's a makeup brand called Beauty Pie. Mm-hmm. So the founder of Beauty Pie, she saw the same issue within the makeup industry. Mm-hmm. And she decided that instead of forcing consumers and consumers to pay huge markups just to be in store or for the you know marketing, mm-hmm. instead if you could give consumers access to the same product made in pretty much the same factory but much cheaper, then you can really create change because mm-hmm. you're paying directly the the manufacturer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. money is not exchanged elsewhere and you can still get the same product same quality so beauty pies essentially I think I think it's still a subscription service I'm not sure I think you sign up and then you um, can essentially buy where maybe mac um, etc are made but for real manufacturers prices and this education piece if that was done much more heavily people would start to realize Mm -hmm. hold on a minute I don't need to buy from brand x brand y because actually they're all making everything at the same factory yeah Um, exactly and i'd like to buy it for a more affordable price uh there's huge things that need to be done around the education and i I think transparency is really involved from the brand side to show okay this is how much it will cost us and you know this is our markup this is the amount of money we need to you know pay our team to make some money to um, you know, maybe run our stores. I think that would be very, very helpful. And I think if brands do do that, like Beauty Pie, it can make mm-hmm. a huge difference. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think not many people know about this, honestly. And um, I think especially the younger generation that, you know, has the money from their parents and um, they're being told, hey, just go shopping and buy something new to wear, right? They don't really have that awareness of, hey, I'm going to H&M, but I'm actually contributing to so many issues. And those clothes are not even great for me or on me, you know? So um, yeah, I think there's a lot of education that we should do and we should totally speak about it, you know, as much as we can. Um, next question, you know, maybe much more dramatic, I think much more dramatic. How do you see the future of this planet, of the environment, you know, um, if we don't do something, if we don't act, if we don't try to save it? Oh, that, that gets depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I have to end I, with something negative. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to be too depressing, but, but I mean, if I just focus on just one problem, I mean, there's so many problems in the industry, right? But if I just focus on one problem, which is fashion industry in particular, if yeah. we don't do anything about the way we behave with fashion, 
our waterways will be polluted with all the dye. Our soils will be polluted with the clothing that's not biodegrading anytime soon. And the dye is leaking into the soil. Um, the brands that are using, for example, leather, mm -hmm. I've heard that a lot of them drop certain parts of the carcass in uh, water supplies. Again, mm -hmm. water supplies will um, highly impacted and it'll be very difficult for us to live the kind of lives we do now if we don't do something about it now this is actually the decade of action so this is actually the decade yeah. where we have to act because if we don't it's going to get too late so all of us need to make sensible decisions related to the way we're behaving and we were living a really fast-paced life before COVID happened yeah. and I think the one good thing COVID has done is actually slowed us down and really like forced us to pause and think what mm -hmm. are you doing do you want to live this hectic oh by now get this delivered tomorrow get that you know I could be in Hong Kong if I wanted to day after tomorrow <sighs> kind of life. yes it's great but do we really need it like mm -hmm. it's not like life was absolutely awful just maybe being put in one place for a while mm -hmm. so this is the time that we need to make these decisions and if we haven't learned after this learn after this past year I think we we have a problem mm. great that you shared that and I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one I think everyone should rethink a little bit what they do and how they do it uh, and also self-educate because there are so many wonderful resources out there and I wanted to ask you about that which resources do you recommend for people to you know look for um, are there any websites that you're following any Instagram accounts etc um, I'm going to start off with a shameless plug of Clydelis <laughs> <laughs> totally do that we um, always have our own online magazine and our social media content is really hoping to help people educate them on their consumer mm -hmm. purchases. So mostly related to things like um, fabric series. So we did a whole series around what's polyester, what's viscose, what's elastane, because these are fabrics we all wear. And if you don't know what they're made of, then that's the easiest way for you to educate yourself. Just the basic knowledge of what are you wearing? What's on your skin right now? Um, so of course, gladly. Um, I personally try to read quite a few different newsletters on a daily mm -hmm. basis. So related to the fashion industry, but also general newsletters like Positive Luxury, uh, Vogue Business, of course, Business of Fashion. Um, Ellen MacArthur Foundation is absolutely incredible because their circular economy principles are actually to be honest, most of the basis of Cladley is on Ellen MacArthur. So mm -hmm. I really recommend reading through Ellen MacArthur Foundation. They do huge reports related to specific industries and they pick, um, say for example, they've done a, a, a report on the textile industry and they've got like a hundred page report. And if you don't want to read that, read the summary, but those are great places for you to start to kind of build your awareness. And then of course the usual websites like Greenpeace and WWF, but um, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> yeah, totally. So many. Uh, last two questions, you know, <laughs> I am more positive, I hope. Um, so I wanted to ask you about the future of Gliderly, but then I realized nobody actually knows the future. So I'm going to rephrase it and, and ask, what is your vision for the future of Gliderly? Mm -hmm. 
yeah that's a good question actually because I, I agree like no one knows of course yeah um, but my personal vision of Cladley is that we are able to keep thousands of textiles away from landfills and that people help us to do that by buying our products so whether that's through the eyewear we produce whether that's through the next few products that we produce I don't know what those will be yet because there's a lot of different ideas bubbling but um, if we are able to impact the environment by keeping these textiles away from landfill and at the same time help people educate so that they don't even cause the textile waste in the first place that's the vision of Clyde and we would have done something good if we can do that awesome thanks for sharing and last question one that you can you know go a little crazy about what is your <laughs> one wish or a dream when it comes to creating a change in the fashion industry? How would you envision that? If you could do something tomorrow that could just change in the blink of an eye, what would be that? Um, okay, I think if I could make one really quick, what I think might be easy, but probably isn't necessarily easy to enact, mm -hmm. the money that goes to an influencer Mm. All of that money would go straight to the garment worker that produced that same outfit. Mm. And that has a huge impact because the people who are working in these factories, they don't have money to pay for the healthcare. And during COVID times is the absolute worst to see what's happening. Then they don't have the money to send their children to school. So therefore, if their children are not getting educated, the children will go through the same scenario and will end up becoming garment workers themselves. So if we could give that money to them, then mm -hmm. we're making a much bigger change. Um, or maybe even not just to them, but also to um, partly to them and partly to their employers to enable them to kind of, you know, ensure that the factories and facilities are safer that their working conditions are safer and that they're you know getting treated well when they when they work on creating our garments amazing all right so thank you so much for being here today and speaking to me um just to let people know how they can find Clyde early Mm -hmm. so um we have all the social media channels that are better out there i guess mm -hmm. uh, so of course instagram clydely berlin uh twitter handle i think is just clydely um i can't remember that one off the top of my head um and then obviously facebook and and all those linkedin yes and yeah. the website which is i think clyderly.com right Awesome. Thank you, Alina, for being here. And I wish you a great rest of the day. Thank you so much. Yay! Hi, guys. This is Dom, your host. Thanks so much for staying and listening to this podcast. If you would like to support us and follow what we do at Mess Magazine, please do follow us on LinkedIn at MessMag or on our Instagram at MessMagazine. Thank you.